Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debate, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. All right, hi everybody, welcome to episode 30 of the Canadians Connection here on Rocket Sports Radio, and well, you probably, you might not recognize my voice, but I'm not Joe Whalen, I'm Chris G, uh, Chris Hops 360 on Twitter, uh, sitting in for Joe for this week. Uh, Joseph will be back uh, next Saturday. Good to be back. It feels like it's been a year since I've done this. And, well, at least I'm back in a comfortable chair with uh, my regular co-host, I guess, editor-in-chief and owner of the All Habs Network of Sites. You can follow me on Twitter at All Habs. It's Rick Stevens. I do it. Welcome back, Chris. Uh, glad to have you in the in that uh, familiar studio chair, uh, of course, uh, the host of Habs 360 for better part of eight years uh, uh, on all Habs. And, and uh, with Joe off, uh, busy writing exams, uh, we're, we're happy to have the band back together this week and, and uh, have you uh, guiding the ship. No problem. Nice to be back. And I know normally uh, this is the part where there's some kind of comparison using the numbers. Uh <laughs> So I guess number 30, Chris Nyland, I don't know. Is that a, is that right. a good comparison of uh, what things to come in the next hour or so? Who knows? Yeah, but, because uh, cause we don't generally agree on things. So that, that's, a, <laughs> <laughs> that's, a good, uh, and, that's a good comparison. And, and no joke, number 30 is my favorite number. So maybe it's uh, a kind of... Um, Fitting. Uh, it's a... Yeah, it's kind of fitting that I'm here for episode number 30. All right, so a uh, busy show for us coming up. Uh, we're going to have a special edition of uh, the winners and losers coming up in a few moments. Uh, we're going to go through the details of uh, Mark Bergevin's end-of-season uh, press conference, and we'll give you our question of the week in uh, a few moments. The recap of the Canadians' week, at least on the ice, there was one game left, and that was last Saturday when the Toronto Maple Leafs were in town. And so was Bob Cole for his final game in his 50-year career at calling hockey. And while the Montreal Canadiens, with a 6-5 win over the Toronto Maple Leafs in the shootout, a meaningless game for both these teams, but it was an exciting game with a lot of goals, lead changes. And while there was, I guess you could call it a, a historic performance, Ryan Paling of the Montreal Canadiens made his NHL debut on Saturday and while in 11 minutes and 22 seconds of play scored three goals on three shots and that wasn't enough because in the shoot to win the game for the Montreal Canadiens as uh, he scored as well the shootout winner 57.1% in the faceoff circle and Ryan Paling, first Montreal player since Alex Smart, who I didn't even know this guy played for the Canadians. This happened in the January 1940, 1943. And Rick, what a, I guess, what a way for Ryan Paling to uh, begin his NHL uh, career. Absolutely. Uh, just came in with a splash and uh, 
for those who had never seen Ryan Paling uh, play, they now uh, know his name and uh, and will remember it going into to next season. And and a lot's been said about uh, his hat trick, uh, his shootout, the game deciding goal in the in the shootout. Um, I just um, you know I, again for people that haven't seen him. Um, at the time he was drafted, there was, there was some concern about his skating. I don't think, uh, that's a concern anymore. Um, he showed that, uh, particularly on his third goal, he kind of blew by Kapanen and, um, and, um, he also engaged physically a huge hit on Frederick Gote, who's not a small guy. Um, he was able to play at the, the NHL high tempo, um, and and I think um, you know the, before his first goal, the Canadians had nothing, had absolutely nothing. Obviously, uh, dis- disappointed by uh, being out of the playoffs, and and there was no effort. Uh, and and it was Ryan Paling that kickstarted uh, the Canadians' uh, effort that night. So um, poised leadership uh, a little bit, and um, what a great debut! Also, not to be overlooked was uh, Charlie Lindgren in net. And uh, he battled through and, and uh, could hardly be faulted on the goals. There wasn't much defense played that night, but uh, Charlie looked good. And particularly in the shootout with Charlie facing that gauntlet of, of Matthews, Marner, Tavares, and Kapanen. Um, he uh, uh, can partly be, uh, uh, can share in, in, uh, in the reason for the win uh, that night. Yeah, well, we're going to take a look at uh, the backup goaltending situation in uh, in our second segment. And uh, going back just to Ryan Ping, I kind of feel uh, sorry for him because with with a performance like that in his first game, he set the bar high for uh, oh, the yeah. next season. So, so I don't think okay, if you prorate it, it's like he's gonna is he gonna score 246 goals? I don't think anybody expects that. But boy, has he set the bar high for next year. And also what I think he's also done with that one game, I think he's pretty much guaranteed himself a longer look at least at the start of next season from uh, from the Montreal Canadiens uh, for potentially earning a spot uh, with um, with the roster. Uh, so that game, uh, that was game 82. Canadians finished the season with a record of 44-30-8, which uh, brought them to 96 points. Uh, we were reminded very often of that on Tuesday uh, during the exit interviews that Canadians finished ninth place in the Eastern Conference, uh, 14th overall in the NHL. But most, I guess, most importantly, the thing that we'll remember is that they're out of a playoff spot a third time in their last four seasons. Our uh, question of the week for today's episode well, uh, as there is that the conclusion of every season, restricted and unrestricted free agents. Question is, so with in respect to the Canadians, restricted and unrestricted free agent, who would you resign and who should be bid adieu? And we'll tackle that question in the third segment, and you can let us know your responses via the Habs Connection uh, Twitter page, uh, or you could uh, leave a message with uh, Rick at All Habs, or you could send me a tweet at ChrisHabs360. You can also leave us your comments on the Yale Habs Facebook page and uh, the, uh, the Habs Connection text line at 585-3-ROCKET. Uh, so we'll get to those responses later on uh, today's episode.
And now it's time for this week's Winners and Losers on the Canadian's Connection. A special edition of the Winners and Losers. It won't be the Winners and Losers of the week. So what we're going to tackle today will be um, our winners will be the MVP of uh, the season. And I'll uh, take the honors as a uh, guest. I'm going to I'm going to give myself permission to go first on this one. And my MVP of the year is Carey Price. Uh, he won the Molson Cup for the year, and it was it was well deserved. And I think it was the second best season in his career after the 2014-15 season, when he he cleaned out all the uh, all the awards. Uh, I think he made up for his uh, I guess his average season that he had last year. Uh, a bad season when you compare it, I think, in carry prices. I was also worried at the beginning of this season because uh, I would say up to end of November, so it's actually November 24th, in the first 16 games that Carey Price played, he had a 317 goals against average and an 895 save percentage. But after that, as of November 24th, in his last 50 games that he played, 28, 19, and two records, 226 goals against average, and a 925 save percentage. Just phenomenal numbers for Terry Price. Uh, his 66 games were second in the league, only behind uh, Devin Dupnik from the Minnesota Wild. First in the league in the minutes played. Uh, we all know the, the milestone that he hit this year and the record that he's, I guess he keeps breaking uh, win after win is Carey Price became the winningest goalie in the franchise history. And we saw Price uh, carry the team, uh, pun intended there, uh, down the stretch. And, Rick, we're going to talk about some of the reasons that the Canadians didn't make the playoffs throughout the show, but I think was the number one reason that they were in it all the way until the end. Yeah, I, I firmly agree with you, and... Uh, when you look at that, uh, he made uh, uh, 28 starts in the Canadians' last 29 games. Um, he was he was the reason. Um, you know, there was there was a concern about his his workload uh, and trying to manage that, uh, and that that was uh, after the injuries that he he experienced last season and 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 certainly previously in his career, but. Um, he was he was the workhorse, um, and even with all um, all that time he played, as you said, uh, uh, number one in minutes in in uh, minutes played in the NHL for goaltenders. Um, he um, he has solid numbers, and and you mentioned his his goals against and his save percentage, which which can give you a good idea what goaltenders are doing. But it's kind of like plus minus, I think. Uh, for players, it, when you look at the the deeper analytics, um, uh, he, uh, well, first, at, at 35 wins on the season, uh, that's that's number five in the league. Uh, but it's it's uh, the goaltender save contribution, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, the the um, goaltending analytics, he's number one in the league. Uh, when you took it, uh, and and that's that's based on. Um, um, an average goaltender would have had uh, 38 more goals uh, than Carey Price did this season playing that for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, and that would have put them, that would have put 
and that's number one in the league, and that would have put uh, him uh, the team down uh, in the same range as, as Buffalo. Uh, goalie point share, the number of points uh, that the goalie position contributes, number one in the league. Um, so, uh, you know, Carey Price has had a, a, a remarkable season. It would have been nice to see what he could do in the playoffs uh, with the Canadians falling uh, just a little bit short. Uh, so I take it for granted he's your MVP as well? Well, he, you know, I looked at, I looked at uh, uh, uh Others, but um, you know, Shea Weber uh, could be a, a, an honorable mention in 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 50, just 58 games. Um, he had 14 goals, and that's I, I'm going off memory here, but I think that was eight in the league. Uh, plus uh, Shea Weber's leadership that could have been considered, but I think the as you said, this was uh, Carey Price's second best season, and 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 the way he. He helped put this team in in the playoff conversation. I think there's there's no other choice. And 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 you know we have to mention one of the the biggest moments for the the, the franchise not only this season but uh, in franchise history is him passing uh, Jacques Plante and now him um, being up uh, at 220 win 221 wins I think. Yeah, for sure. So uh, definitely a season to remember for. Uh, for Carey Price, and I know it was a, a year ago at, at this time, the talk heading into the offseason was all negative surrounding Carey Price, and I don't think we'll hear anything negative for Carey Price from now until uh, the start of next season's training camp, but that being said, in Montreal, you know, you, you can there's always surprises possible. All right, so let's move on now to our, I guess we'll call them to our our losers of uh, of the season. So it's what we've branded as our disappointment of uh, the season. And Rick, I'll give you the honor to go first on this one. Yeah, I, I, um, I'm going to have to go with uh, Jonathan Drouin and um, uh, big things were expected. I think that uh, last season, um, uh, certainly big things were expected there too, but, but the, the, um, the excuse was, well, he was playing center and uh, that didn't really work out. And uh, so being moved uh, back to the wing, that big things were expected uh, offensively um, and uh, contributing to the power play and, and so on. And, and it just didn't, didn't work out. And, and uh, you know, over his, his last, uh, 25, 30 games going back to the beginning of February, there, there were just, there just wasn't anything there. Um, and, and, you know, throughout the season prior to that, um, his, his def- lack of defensive uh, contribution was kind of highlighted and, and okay. Um, you know, there's been players like that before Galchenyuk and, and so on. But um, I think, I think more so was was um, the fact that it didn't look like he was engaged, that he was interested, that when he when he didn't have the puck, that um, he he really felt that he he needed to contribute. And um, so at the end of the year, um, uh, you know, I, I guess there was a bit of a bit of a mea culpa in in his uh, uh, postseason interview. 
Um, he and, and Mark Bergevin said he took some responsibility. But when you listen to his comments, he said, uh, just kind of uh, paraphrasing, that he played really well for the for 60 games. He didn't play well for 20 games, and uh, but during that time he was under the scrutiny of the the fans and the media, uh, and he knows that's uh, part of what's going to happen in Montreal, and he just has to uh, power through that and and contribute more. And I, I thought that was I, I would have liked to have heard him say, you know. Um, I let my teammates down. I, I didn't work hard enough. I uh, should have been better on the power play. I should have made better decisions. Um, all those kinds of things. I, you know, maybe, maybe it was his way of, of, of um, taking responsibility, but I'd, I, I just wasn't hearing that, that he got it, that he understood what, what, what happened. And hopefully, um, over the course of the summer, he's going to work hard. He's also going to watch some film from this year, not not his junior year, which he did during the season, and and um, and and figure it all out. Because uh, you know, if, if I think it's clear that Mark Bergevin is committed to him, um, and um, he's going to have to contribute, uh, and his his youth isn't going to cover him anymore. He's been in the league five years, 320 some odd games. Um, he's, he's not a, a young inexperienced player anymore. And if you look at his, the players who were uh, drafted with him, uh, they're all uh, out accomplishing him uh, at this point. So it's time for the, you know, we thought this was um, Jonathan Duran's make or break year, but certainly next season, uh, I think the Canadians either have to see something uh, a big improvement or they'll have to move on. So, you know, Rick, you start off the show so good being uh, right about Carey Price. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, now I'll give you, uh, I think you're 33% right on um, on this, on the Johnson Joy. Because uh, I think we can actually break down his season. Like, I wouldn't break it down 60-20 like he did. I'm breaking it down 55-26 uh, for her, for Jonathan Drouin. If you look at the start of the season, up to and including that four-point game against the Winnipeg Jets on February 7th, uh, Drouin uh, offensively had 46 points in uh, 55 uh, games pace. Uh, for the remaining 26 games of the season, he, it would have brought him to a total of 69 points, which would put him uh, second in the, the team instead of uh, third. But instead, during that stretch, he had seven points in those 26 games. And I know, like you mentioned earlier, like, you know, minus 11 is a kind of so-so stat, but he was minus 11 for uh, in, in that final stretch. And I think that actually does show uh, that those, it does show something in the Jonathan Joyce case. And even though he had that horrible uh, final stretch with the season, in terms of his production offensively, he tied his uh, career high in points. Uh, I'm not going to add anything about this defensive game because, you know, it's well-documented. Um, I'm not going to argue against uh, I'm not gonna argue against that. But at the same time, I think if you're... So Jonathan Drouin, he's supposed to produce points. That's the type of player that he is. And while if you're not going to contribute offensively, you need to contribute in another way. So uh, another example that we could use is uh, Artur Lekonen. 
when he went, what was it, 25, 26 games or something like that without scoring? Well, he, he was contributing in other ways during that stretch. It could have, like, mainly with the way he was playing defensively, his effort level. Uh, Blackman isn't expected to put points on the board just like Jonathan uh, Drouin. And at the same time, I don't think Drouin is expected to be as strong defensively as Lekkonen is either. And during that final stretch, 26 games played, uh, not only did Drouin didn't put anything on the board, uh, he wasn't also contributing defensively either. So technically, he was adding no value to the team during, uh, during that stretch. The timing of the slump it couldn't be any worse either. In the... I think if he would have started the season with seven points in his first 26 games, and then in his last 55 games, he got 46 points, I think the conversation would be completely different uh, right now when it comes to, uh, to Jonathan Drouin. We'd be, I think we, we'd all be leaving this, well, sorry, most of us would be leaving the season uh, thinking uh, positive about Jonathan Drouin and his future, but because the stuff happened at the end of the season, well, that's not um, that's not going to happen. Prejuve, uh, he he seemed like you said to be happy that he that he owned up to his end of season. He expects him to bounce back, but I agree with you, Rick, that it's uh, I think next year is Drouin's uh, uh, biggest year with with the Montreal Canadiens, or maybe even his NHL career that needs to have a bounce back season. Or, um, or else another decision will need to be made by, by the team. So, and and I think the other part of it that I want to see next year is uh, Jonathan Drouin showing up for the big games uh, this season. Uh, Twelve of his fifty-two points were against uh, Detroit and Ottawa. Um, mm-hmm. He he only had five goals on the road, uh, which was difficult, and then. You know, against those con- conference rivals, uh, just four points in 22 games. You want to see all of that flipped around. You want to see him be- making a difference when it matters. And as you said, uh, he wasn't there when the when the Canadians needed him in the in the run to the the playoffs. He wasn't there against conference rivals. He wasn't there on the road. We want to see all of that completely flipped around next year. Uh, I'll move on now to uh, my disappointment of the year. Uh, I know Mark Bergevin didn't agree with me, but if I had to choose just one reason that the Canadians are not in the playoffs, that being said, there, there is more than one reason why they're not, but if I had to choose just one, it would be the, the Montreal Canadiens power play. It seemed like in the last four games, somehow it started working. It went 3-4-7 during that stretch, but no, too little, too late. Uh, the Canadians finished with a 13.3% uh, success rate placed him 30th in the league behind Nashville and Bergevin used Nashville who are number 31 and used the New York Islanders as examples who finished 29th uh, that are both in the playoffs to uh, try to disagree with me but you know sometimes it happens even Mark Bergevin is wrong <laughs> uh, the power play was an embarrassment was an embarrassment I think it's the worst power play in the end, uh, for the Canadians since the NHL started tracking the stats in 1933-34. But I do agree with Bergevin when he said that the power play was actually making them lose momentum when it should be uh, the, uh, the opposite. And I, d- I did some quick math. The 16th place team on the power play were the Buffalo Sabres, and they had a success rate of 
19.5. So if you're asking why 16th, it's because that's right down the middle of the league. If the Canadians would have been at 19.5%, they would have gotten, they would have scored an additional 14 goals. And well, during the season, Canadians lost nine one-goal games. So I'm sure those 14 goals would have helped them at some point to uh, get those extra two points. And and Rick, what was more frustrating for me about the power play is it's not a team that was struggling overall to score offensively because I think it was what they finished fifth in the league in uh, five on five scoring and they finished like 13th overall in uh, goals for in the league. But for some reason, that power play, they couldn't make it work. Yeah, and when you look at the power play, you look at the components of the power play uh, that were failing. Um, there was there there seemed to be some patterns. First, uh, offensive zone uh, faceoffs, uh, and that was a problem not only on the power play but but uh, uh, five on five as well. And um, faceoffs, the Canadians were were. Uh, one of the bottom feeders uh, in that statistic. And certainly when you're uh, starting a, a, a play without the puck uh, and you're having to chase it and retrieve it and, and maybe go all the way down the ice uh, after it's, after it's cleared um, that, that takes seconds off and, and uh, takes momentum away. And then when you grab the puck and you're bringing it up the ice, uh, the Canadians were, weren't very good in the neutral zone. There was all kinds of neutral zone turnovers um, the, the players that most commonly turn the puck over, uh, in the neutral zone were Max Domi and Jonathan Duran. Um, zone entries were also a problem. Um, they, they weren't clean. They were, uh, um, uh, either lost or, 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 uh, taking up time to, to get the puck back. Um, and then lastly, it was, uh, the decision-making down, down low, um, and the head coach of the, the Capitals game, uh, one of the last games of the season, um, uh, Rieger, was, uh, was interviewed and said, uh, you know, um, what are you planning about the power play? They, he said, uh, Canadians only have one weapon on the power play. Uh, we just have to keep it away from Shea Weber. Um, and, um, you know, teams know this. Teams know um, what your strategy is, know who your weapons are. And I think the Canadians need more. Than, and, and ironically, uh, Weber scored in that capital on the power play in that Capitals game because it got free. Um, but um, uh, I think I think you have to have more than one weapon. You have to have more than one shooter. Uh, and when you're setting up um, uh, Shea Weber for his shot, you need somebody that can get him the puck cleanly. And uh, uh, there was no Markov. There was no Markov who can change the, you know, we heard about him changing the spin on the puck to land it flat for the perfect uh, launching pad for Shea Weber. There's no Markov on that power play, and and uh, it was missed. Uh, so now just a couple of bonus picks when we're looking for our surprises for uh, the, the season. Uh, I'm going to go with... Uh, with uh, Max Domi, who was acquired from the Coyotes for uh, Alex Galchenyuk. And there was a lot of criticism in that trade. And uh, personally, I wasn't happy with that trade because I think that Montreal traded another valuable asset in Galchenyuk and they didn't get a number one center in uh, in return. 
I wasn't either impressed with all the attention that uh, the team was giving him before he even played one game with the Canadians. That uh, Domi was all over their social media, uh, videos of him uh, walking his dog, videos of him taking out his garbage, uh, him going for a walk at the park. Uh, he was all over the place. Uh, he didn't start the season on the right foot either, as he got to spend five games in the preseason for uh, punching uh, Aaron Eckblad. Uh, but that being said, after season number one, uh, I think I was I was wrong about what I was expecting for uh, for Max Domi. Finished the leading scorer of the team with uh, 72 points, uh, career high in goal assists uh, for for him as well. Finished plus 20, and well, all that attention, all from social media, from a real hockey market, it seems that's what motivated uh, Max Domi. To perform this season, the only knock on him would be is that he we've seen him he gets frustrated sometimes and something doesn't go his way. We we had seen it several times when he would get hit or get a slash or a cross check against him that wasn't called. Uh, he seemed to lose his cool and focus on getting revenge, and most of the times led him to getting uh, a penalty of his own. And well, with the kind of season he was having, Canadians needed him more on the ice than in the penalty box. And even a couple of weeks ago, when Mark Bergevin spoke to the media, he acknowledged that uh, Domi occasionally loses his cool. He said that they have to live with it. And, well, if he keeps playing the way he did this year, overall, I would agree with him. I think that we all just have to deal with it. And Rick, I think at least year one of Max Domi with Montreal was a success. Yeah, absolutely. And and I had the same concerns uh, as you did uh, with him um, being more of an entertainer than a, than a hockey player. And, and certainly that, that part of his uh, personality on, on social media came through. Um, it, you know, uh, tops on the, on the uh, Canadians um, in, in points was 72. Um, just number 47 overall in the league. So it, it shows that the Canadians have, uh, have work to do. Um, in um, in either helping Domi contribute more, or um, or uh, helping the support staff. Um, I thought Domi uh, played it as you said a little emotional at times. Took some bad penalties. Um, he wasn't um, as effective on the power play, obviously. And and we talked. I mentioned that a few minutes ago. Um, uh, he was. Uh, for a period, he 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 had ups and downs. He he disappeared for for a while and and wasn't contributing defensively. I think that combination of he and Duran um, they were bad for each other. They 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 had bad habits. Um, and but certainly uh, towards the end of the season, Domi Shaw Lekkinen that was one of the most effective lines uh, uh, that the Canadians had all season. And the three of them played really well together, complemented each other well. Um, had all kinds of scoring chances, and uh, I, 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 for uh, for a let's call it a transition season, um, I I thought he um, he he was a, a surprise impact player. Well, for sure. And what about in your end? Who was the player that, that surprised you the most? Well, I think there was a guy who was a little bit had more of a surprise and more of an impact, and that would be Thomas Tatar. Um, I, um, I was very concerned, uh, about, uh, you know, him coming to the Canadians 
after uh, such a poor season in Las Vegas, where uh, or part season, um, where he was barely used in the playoffs, uh, even though the Vegas had such a nice long run last year. Uh, but he, uh, you know, proved that he was one of the hardest workers. Um, he, he was one of the catalysts for the five on five play that was so good. He was great in the neutral zone. Uh, and uh, as I think I mentioned a few weeks back on the show, um, tops on the Canadians in terms of generating, uh, high danger scoring chances. Um, so, um, if you were on, um, uh, Tatar's line, it was a good chance you were going to get a, a high danger scoring chance. And, and, uh, I thought I thought he he certainly um, surprised me and and uh, and many that that he he was so strong in all areas, good defensively too, and and uh, um, and a hard worker. Uh, just I, I thought he had a very good season. And remember when Vegas acquired Tatar from the Red Wings? It cost him a first round, a second round, and a third round draft pick, if I remember correctly. And then when the Canadians acquired him in the, in the Max Price Ready trade, he wasn't even a centerpiece. Even Bart Bergevin, when he was speaking to the media after that trade, he was saying that Nick Suzuki was actually like a, uh, the, the key piece of that trade. And look at and look at the Tatar, 25 goals uh, this year offensively. And you mentioned about his play uh, defensively. And that was probably the only line that probably stayed the most consistent the entire year. Gallagher with uh, Dano. And uh, Tatar pretty much played together for the uh, for the entire season. So that's a good choice, Rick. Not as good as Domi, but still a pretty good choice. <laughs> All right, we're going to take our first break here on the uh, Canadians Connection. Still to come, we're going to tackle our question of the day. With respect to the Canadians restricted and unrestricted free agent, who should be re-signed and who should be bid adieu? You can let us know via the Habs Connection Twitter page, uh, all Habs or Chris, Chris Habs 360 or you can leave us your comments on the All Habs Facebook page but coming up next we dive in a little deeper into Mark Bergervain's end of season press conference stay with us this is the Canadian Connection Podcast on Rocket Sports Radio Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented motivated and committed people to join our team if you're a student wishing to gain experience a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas, sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com 
Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. All right, welcome back to uh, the Canadian Connection podcast on the Rocket Sports uh, Radio, episode 30. My name is uh, Chris G. You can follow my Twitter at ChrisHabs316. You can follow Rick at uh, AllHabs. And while well, at Mark Bergevin's end-of-season press conference on, um, on Tuesday, the general message that we heard from Bergevin and from the players actually was that they were disappointed that they didn't make the playoffs, but that they're... They're headed to the right direction, so they're making it sound like you know it's positive. We're getting better. And Rick, do you agree with uh, that sentiment that was delivered? Uh, generally, generally, overall, I I I, I would. Um, I think that uh, I I think given the way the season ended uh, with Ryan Paling, Ryan Paling um, deserves a, a a big bonus uh, from Mark Bergevin. <laughs> Because the 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 presser, uh, the postseason presser would have been a lot different uh, without the way the season ended, and and largely due to Ryan Paling. Uh, and I think that that uh, that game helped the the fans too to focus on on next year in the future. And and um, so Paling, yeah, made a made a big save of 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 the season. Um, I, I don't think though, and and I think that most players said this. I don't think that. I, I think it was a failed season. It has to be a failed season when you don't make the playoffs. That's not to say that there was wasn't good things or that they're not moving in the right direction or. But it was a failed season. Canadians didn't make the playoffs. It was their year in in four uh, that that they've missed the playoffs, and and that's not supposed to be what's happening with the Montreal Canadiens, particularly in um, with a GM who's, who's been around for eight years. Um, is it moving well, in also, the right du- direction? I suppose. I, go, go ahead. And also, especially since he said, since day one, that's what the objective is. The objective was to make the playoffs. Like if he, if they would have set up the season as a transition year where, you know, that we're rebuilding and then they weren't expected then it's okay, it'd be okay, because that's what they were building for. But his objective from day one of the season was to make the playoffs, and he didn't make it. Yeah, and I I think that, um, you know, part of that, um, you have to look at uh, last season, which, you know, we talked about some of the good moves he made. Um, the one big piece that was missing was was uh, a left, left side defenseman to play with Shea Weber. That that was a, a big problem. And I think that, that there were some moves to be made at the trade deadline um, that could have ensured that the Canadians uh, made the playoffs. Uh, and they wouldn't have cost. I, I know it's, it's Mark Bergevin's favorite line. Well, you see what Ryan Paling did in the last game? If I, if I had made a move at all, I would have had to give up Ryan. That's, that's a bit of a, a stretch. There was all kinds of moves that, um, 
would have been made that he wouldn't have had to touch uh, that protected group that were at the, the World Juniors that he talked about. Lots of moves were made for, for picks or, or lesser prospects uh, at the trade deadline, and, and Mark Bergevin could have been part of that. Um, so, I, you know, uh, um, I, I think um, they're, they're moving in the right direction, but uh, as Kerry Price said, uh, the window is closing. Um, they don't have time to wait for all of these prospects to mature um, before they're going to run into trouble with Price and, and Weber, uh, Gallagher, and some of the others. And and like you mentioned, because the objective was uh, that that they said, right? They said that their objective was to make the playoffs, and they didn't. I think uh, so. Then it means that they, they didn't meet their objective. So then it is considered a failure. Uh, I think what they did a good job, the Canadians before the start of the season, I think they did a good job in setting low expectations for everybody. So then missing the playoffs by just two points, and then sticking into it until the end of the season, seemed like a like a like a positive. And like you mentioned, there there were some positives in the, the in the, the season, um, but finishing ninth, just two points out of a playoff spot. Uh, to disappointment, and well, they won't even get a high draft pick out of this because they're going to end up drafting number uh, number fifteen. The positives are that there's a good young core I think coming up. Uh, there's a good batch of prospects that uh, that's in the pipeline as well. And well, we have our goalie who's in uh, who's in top shape. And also, Rick, I'm not sure if you uh, if you pick this up or I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, the overall sentiment of the players in their exit interviews compared to last season. Last season, I found that the message was these players weren't ready from the training camp. Like this bad attitude was from day one, where this week on Tuesday, we heard them saying the complete opposite. They were kept saying on how this group was playing for each other, how it was a, a, a close group. So I just find that things drastically changed in the comments uh, from one year to the next. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, and um, I, I, I think that last season, um, you know, Mark Bergevin certainly placed a lot of emphasis on the attitude. And I, I thought that the players kind of uh, pushed back on that. Um, I, I think they pushed back last season saying that it was kind of, um, they didn't feel the team was assembled uh, proper. They didn't feel like they had the weapons last season. And, and so that it was a shared kind of responsibility. This, this year, I think um, the, the players, uh, certainly Shea Weber uh, and, and the entire leadership group um, kind of, um, Shea Weber was, even though he was injured uh, for the first 20 some odd games, um, was with the team, was traveling with the team. he, he uh, put the the the, the cape uh, and and there was a different attitude. Uh, the 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 Shea Weber led team was was different. I think that made a a big difference. A uh, couple of other things that I think that um, uh, just observations and when you look at at the fans, um, they talked about it being more a more exciting team. And Bergevin referenced that. And I think right from the start of the season, there was kind of a uh, mixed uh, goals, to, uh, kind of a two-pronged goal. And, and they, um, I remember Claude Julien um, 
said uh, right at the start of the season, we're in the entertainment business. And that right away split the fan base. Uh, for those who are focused on winning, um, it, it upset them. For those who wanted uh, just to be entertained and more exciting hockey, they, they were thrilled by it. And I think that carried right through until the end so that uh, when you look and you ask the fans, was it a successful season? The ones who were focused on it being entertainment, they're fine. They were happy with the season. Those who uh, want, want a winning team, um, they were disappointed. And, and I think that goes to the way you evaluate things goes to when Bergevin said, uh, you know, it, it was a turnaround season and, and 25 extra points and all those kinds of things. I, you know, um, a turnaround for me is the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, you turn it around and you, and you make the playoffs. You don't turn around and, and, and uh but but still fails. So I think those are the two things that um, uh, that kind of stuck out to me in the, in uh, his comments. Uh, and when you're talking about like the entertainment business, I think uh, a factor in it was uh, last year. Like even when we were chatting during Happy Sixty, especially towards the second half of the season, uh, where the, the seats weren't being sold, people um, weren't as interested, weren't as vested into the Montreal Canadiens. And people weren't going to the games. Uh, I think a lot of that messaging uh, had to do with that as well, because an entertaining team, uh, they don't need to win every game to get fans at the seats at the Bell Center. So I think I think that played into it as well, like changing the, the core of the players, getting somebody like uh, like Max Domi, which who seems like I mentioned in the first segment that he loves this attention, he loves the social media, getting these type of players into the team. Uh, there's always the business side uh, behind the, the decisions. Like Jeff Molson, uh, I've mentioned it before, like I think he's in there for its business. It's for him to make profits. And winning is, is a bonus for, uh, for him. Uh, speaking of uh, maybe a potential uh, business decision that that was done at the beginning of the season. Uh, I know some people when I when I had thrown it out there on on Twitter or when I'd written it on Take Five and necessarily didn't agree with me was the Esperico Kanyemi. Uh, Mark Bergevin said that Kanyemi had a good season overall. He was happy with him, and he found it a little bit more difficult for him during the second half of the season, but overall, like I said, he was pretty happy. Rick, how do you evaluate Kotkaniemi uh, season? And now we know what happened. So it's, you know, it's a little bit of, it is some hindsight 2020, like they say, but now knowing how the season played out for, uh, for the 18 year olds, do you think he would have been better suited if he would have played in Finland this season than, uh, than with the Canadians? Well, I was on the record at the beginning of the season saying that I I was not opposed. I would like to see him return to Finland. And my, my concern was um, the grind, the NHL grind on, I guess I had two concerns. One, uh, that he'd be targeted uh, as a rookie um, and, and, uh, and rocked a bit. And, and I wasn't sure if his strength was there. And secondly, that the, the long season, the NHL grind would wear him out, would tire him. And I didn't, I wasn't confident uh, that he could play 82 games. And I think that, that uh, as, as far as, as uh, I, he, he 
surprised me his ability to to accept punishment and deliver it back and and so that was that was positive uh i think i was right as far as the and and seems like claude julian uh agreed with me but as it turned out um it, it wasn't a you know in retrospect i think he should have been no it he he um he certainly uh, showed that he he belonged and could stay and could contribute um, at home. And uh, but but perhaps his, his uh, games were managed a, a bit better so that it wasn't right at the end when when they needed him that Claude Julian yeah. was uh, sitting him in the press box because I think that really undermined his confidence and. After he sat those uh, initial two games, he wasn't the same player when he came back. It, it was obvious that he was more tentative, and I think it almost did more harm than good. And on my end, Kukaniemi, I think he, he exceeded my expectations. I had my reserves as well at the start of, uh, of the season, especially after what I saw when I was in attendance in his first game at the rookie tournament uh, back at the Place Bell in September, where in that game he totally looked out of place. But it was a constant upward uh, progression since uh, since that game. He, I don't think he's ever he never went back to the way he looked at that first game there. It was against the the Senators. Finished with 34 points. Uh, for sure, he would have gotten more points and probably more ice time in Finland if he would have returned. But I still think he got like, he got a fair amount of ice time this season. Like you mentioned, I think maybe there could have been some minor adjustments done, but. I don't think it's um, the end of the world, like they said. I wouldn't have been happy if he would have gone fourth line minutes. He got those at the end of the season, but for most of the season, he didn't. He finished with uh, a little under 14 minutes of uh, ice time on average. And now he's gone through an entire season. He's adapted to the city, uh, the hockey market, and while well, we should see him get better uh, next uh, next year. Um Let's move on, Rick. You spoke about um, a little bit Claude Julien uh, a couple of moments ago. Uh, Mark Benjamin said that he was happy overall with his coaching staff. Uh, we know at the start of the season, Luke Richardson and uh, Dominique Ducharme were added to uh, to the staff as well. Personally, I give Richardson uh, a thumbs up because I think considering the players that they had to work with, I think the defense did good. So I'm putting it relative to the, to the quality of the players that, that he had to work with on uh, on hand as well. Uh, Jusharm on his end, I think he had a lot to do with this new speed, more entertaining type of hockey that the Canadians play. But at the same time, him and Kirk Muller were, had the responsibility of the power play, and I don't think uh, they deserve a passing grade for what they did on the power play. Bergevin said that, he, that they're going to fix a power play during the off season, but it doesn't look like um, a coaching change. Like I know uh, there was some talk towards the second half of the season that maybe it's time for Kirk Muller to be let go. So that doesn't seem like it's going to happen, but who knows, maybe a change in the responsibility for, uh, uh, for next season. I think Julien did a, um, I guess I'll say a good job and balancing the ice times of the players uh, during the games. Uh, and I think he also deserves some of the credit also for the team uh, exceeding most of our expectations. Uh, a knock for Julien on my end is I wasn't a fan of how sometimes he was managing some of the players that weren't playing. A lot of them went through long stretches 
without playing in the press box. And then after they were thrown in and expected to be uh, perfect on the first game without making any mistakes. Uh, Rick, you, what's your evaluation of the coaching staff? Um, I'm I'm going to, for the most part, agree with uh, with most of what you said. Um, uh, you know, as you said, with the power play, uh, it was was there's obviously some obviously some problems there, and uh, with Kirk Muller and Dominic Ducharme um, sharing that that uh, particular responsibility, the inclination is to to point fingers at them, but I don't know that that strategy. Uh, the the scheme that the power play scheme that was the problem uh, because uh, they said that how well that the the power play performed uh, in practice uh, but yet when they got to the game it was the decision making um, and and the coaches can't do anything about that it's it's uh, maybe the personnel um, the way the personnel was used and and I would lean towards uh, uh, Julian um, uh, with respect to that. Um, but, um, you know, and, and, and I think Ducharme came in with a lot of star power, you know, um, and uh, he helped the defensive, uh, the five on five uh, up till uh, uh, New Year's was, was great. And then it tailed off to the end. Um, so, I, you know, it's his first year as a, as a pro coach. Um, and um, I don't think he adjusted and, and, and he'll learn from that. Uh, he was responsible for the face-offs. The Canadians weren't weren't uh, great on face-offs. Um, they'll figure that out. Um, I think that that um, it's Luke Richardson that uh, kind of came in a bit under the radar, uh, replacing JJ Daniel. And and um, you know he had a dog's breakfast to work with on defense, particularly on the left side. And what he was able to get out of them, uh, I'm impressed. Uh, I thought. You know, if we're giving out uh, uh, the the surprise impact <laughs> award for the for the coach, I think it's Luke Richardson. Um, he did remarkable things, and and hopefully with a a, a better grouping of personnel uh, on defense, um, uh, he'll be able to to even do more uh, next season. Uh, in his end of season press conference, uh, Mark Bergevin confirmed that uh, Anthony Emmy will not return. He was already told that uh, during the exit interviews on Tuesdays, if not maybe even earlier, he was told. And no surprise, since he had barely played in the final stretch. Uh, we saw, like uh, Rick mentioned at the top of the show, that we saw Charlie Lindgren get an opportunity against the Leafs on uh, on Saturday. And, well, if you read my Take 5 column on uh, the HL.Report, uh, you know that I don't think Lindgren has had a great season with Laval this season. He missed some time in December and January due to injury. But actually, like, I actually think he played better last season when he was with the Canadians, where he got 14, 14 starts than he has so far uh, this season in Laval. But you know, that being said, that's not the, what I'm trying to say is Montreal has a lot of good goalies in the organization. I think Lindgren is the one that's closest uh, to the um, to being an NHL goalie. In his media tour after the press conference, uh, Mark Bergevin was on 91.9 FM Sports, and he was asked if he would be looking internally or externally for a new backup goalie. And, well, Bergevin didn't really answer the question, said that the season just ended, and it's something that will be reviewed by the management team uh, during uh, the offseason. I think that Lindgren... Deserves a chance to earn the role next season at training camp, and I think he'll be given 
the opportunity as well to earn the, the spot. But I, I don't think that will. I don't think he has it by by default. And I'm expecting Mark Bergevin to bring in a Niemi type goalie next season at uh, at the training camp. Um, so Rick, uh, it's been well documented. You mentioned on the show you thought Lindgren uh, should have been their backup goalie as of this season. But my question is mostly is how do you see this playing out during uh, during the off season? Well, I think uh, since since the season ended, I've had an opportunity to talk to to somebody in the organization with knowledge of this this stuff, and and um, he said, you know, uh, some a lot of times the, the grass is always greener, looks greener on the on the other side. So certainly, I think. Um, I expect uh, Mark Bergevin, as as you said, to have a look at what's available out there um, in terms of a a backup. Um, and there there will be though there will be uh, goaltenders out there. Um, but for for my money, um, um, Charlie Lindgren proved uh, that he was uh, uh, capable of being an NHL goaltender, and and that happened uh, last year. Um, um, especially his going into the United Center in Chicago and, and the, the shutout he, he got there. Uh, I like Charlie Lindgren's temperament. Um, uh, you know, as, as the folks who knows the, know these things and who've uh, worked with him in depth uh, say, Charlie Lindgren had a solid season this year in the AHL. Uh, AHL numbers, uh, particularly for goaltenders, don't mean a lot. Um, but, um, uh, when you look game by game by game, it wasn't goaltending that caused the, the issues in, um, in Laval, it was the lack of, of goal scoring. Um, and, um, you know, when you look at the, the losses, particularly early on in the season, um, for Lindgren, um, it was all when his team scored no goals, one goal or two goals. So, um, I think that that Lindgren is is uh, the best candidate. Um, I think that uh, uh, the opportunity for him to um, uh, has kind of uh, he's reached his, his uh, peak in the AHL, and the opportunity for him to learn with Carey Price and Stefan Waite, uh, and and be able to to you know play. Um, uh, and, and, and come up with uh, 10 wins, 12 wins, uh, 15 wins um, uh, next season is, is – uh, that, that prospect is real. All right, so we're going to take a quick break here on uh, the Canadian Connection podcast. We're going to tackle our question of the day, which, which we're starting to talk about um, a preparation of next year. The question is, with respect to the Canadians, restricted and unrestricted free agents, who should be re-signed and who should be bid at zero? Let us know via the Habs Connection Twitter page or the All Habs Facebook page. Stay with us because this is the Canadians Connection podcast on the Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. 
I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fanning. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHab when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHab.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit Rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. Welcome back to episode 30 of the Canadian Connection. My name is Chris G, sitting for Joe Whalen, along with Rick Stevens at All Habs. So our question of the day that we asked is, which Canadian uh, free agents and unrestricted free agents should come back and which should be gone? Um, I could go first with my comments. When it comes to UFAs, I think that the Canadians should re-sign Jordan Wheel and... Uh, and I'm expecting the Canadians to resign Jordy uh, Jordy Ben. Not necessarily what I do, but I do expect them. I think that's what the Canadians will do. And then I think Nate Thompson and the Christian Foling, uh could be will be let go. Uh, from the restricted free agents, uh, I think Armia, Lekonen, Kulak, and and Riley as well will be qualified. Uh, I, but I don't think that they'll all be on the roster for the Canadians. So I expect that somebody like Riley could get signed and then traded to try to, for them not to lose him for anything. And we saw uh, Charlie Udon at the end of season press conference. He was very emotional. And Mark Bergevin said that they still believe in him, but I don't believe it. I don't think that there's any way that Charles Udon will be back next season. Uh, Rick, what does your list look like? Um, I, I I agree with you for the most part. I think with Jordan Wheel, it's going to come down to a matter of, of money. Um, he's already uh, 1.75. That's a little more than, than I would give him if he's willing to take a bit of a cut to that. And I don't think he is, knowing, <laughs> knowing his agent um, and the kind of negotiator he is. Uh, I don't think he, he's – so that, that one's touch and go. I expect Jor, uh, Jordy Ben um, – to be back, uh, Thompson, Folan, and Niemi uh, gone. Uh, Joel Armia or Tori Lekkinen, those are no-brainers. Brett, Brett Kulak will likely uh, be back. Houdon, Riley, uh, Willette, likely likely not back. 
Um, I, my, my curiosity is going to be surrounding players who are under contract, um, but that maybe have worn out their usefulness uh, in Delorier, Pecco, uh, Dale Weiss, um, Carl Alsner. You know, how is, is, um, is Mark Bergevin going to handle those players um, who are still under contract but uh, don't seem to have a place on the team? Yeah, for sure. So that's definitely interesting. What's going to happen with uh, those uh, those players? Uh, if we take a look at uh, Twitter for the responses that we received from our followers, uh, I think it's almost everybody uh, said that Will and Kulak would be uh, coming uh, back, and uh, we have the players that that we've had split. Reaction was uh, Mike Riley, where it's pretty much down the middle whether or not he'll be uh, signed or or not. Wheel has been, like I said, pretty much a unanimous decision. Uh, we have Scott, who wants uh, Jonathan Joint traded for a left-handed defenseman, and um, and that's about it. What does it look like on the Facebook page? On Facebook, uh, Jeremy Evans says bring back Thompson and Wheel. Sean Ryan says Weese has got to go. Uh, Bob Kyler says Dale Weiss is finished. Uh, Houdon hasn't added much. Ben should be traded. Uh, Riley also, if there's a taker. Wheel is very good, but only at the right price. Thompson was a good addition for the playoff run, but not so sure he'll be back. Yeah, it'll be tough to trade uh, Jordan Ben if he doesn't belong to you, but that's a whole <laughs> different story. Uh, so uh, a couple of texts from uh, 585 uh, 3 Rocket. Uh, comes first one from uh, Dino, who's a regular texter on the Canadian Connection. He writes, hello, Adohabs. Thanks for the season, which was tough. Uh, there are ends. Sorry, there are themes. Sorry, they were not good enough. That's the bottom line. They were close, but not good enough. Got to give credit where it's merited. Other teams played better than us. Carolina, Columbus. And thank you very much for your efforts and for your sincerity and your professionalism that you guys show everywhere. And always take good care. Nice time off. See you in the fall. So thank you very much for uh, for the text. Um, Look to Bill, who texts us in regularly. And he's right. At the end of the day, Carolina, Columbus, they were the better teams. They got in. Nothing. Uh, Canadians can't come up with any excuses for that. And I think, Rick, you have a text as well. I do. And um, again, from Dino, Le Petit Bill, uh, the, the weather changed, uh, not, uh, not spring-like weather uh, this week. So uh, he quickly wrote a, a text saying, snow in Ottawa, Montreal, that means the hockey gods are sad and tearful. Uh, hello, uh, all Habs. Uh, our hockey guard, gods are tearful. We did not make the playoffs. Maybe they are also telling us that skiing season just ain't done yet. Uh, greetings from Trevor Timmons country, who is the true leader of our CH. Ah, oh. <laughs> could he be foreshadowing something? Uh, Le Petit Bill, uh, another great text from, from Dino. We love, uh, we love hearing from him and, and, uh, and you as well. So uh, give us a text, um, whether you're listening to this live or uh, uh, at on demand, uh, you can text us at five, eight, five, three rocket. Yeah, for sure. And, and thanks to everybody also who sent us in your, your comments via Twitter and uh, the Facebook page. And 
Rick, uh, more interactive, more interactions from our uh, from our listeners and our readers. I think you have one more read for us. Um, now let me just get it here. Uh, we had uh, um, uh, Gibby uh, from the um, Have a Listen podcast say his uh, MVP is Carrie Price. Um, carried the load and um, disappointment was Mike Riley. Um, uh, good season, but fell out of the favorites and surprise for him was Philip uh, Deneau. Yeah, for sure. We didn't have time to talk, to, uh, to talk about uh, Philip Deneau, but I think he went through a tough stretch, but I think overall he had a good season, but I'm sure his name will uh, will keep in the future episode. And and Rick, as we're preparing to wrap up, maybe the Canadian season on the ice might be over, but the Canadian Connection podcast will continue. Absolutely. Um, we're not going anywhere, so um, uh, stay with us. Uh, we're going to start uh, looking ahead to uh, the the entry draft and, and just a little bit of a, a sneak peek that you may have an opportunity to go with Rocket Sports Media to uh, the NHL entry draft uh, um, in Vancouver. Uh, Stay tuned for details about that. Um, We'll be looking at uh, free agency. We'll be looking at development camp. Um, And uh, um, I'm still, uh, I'm actually on the road this week uh, with the AHL report team. Uh, which you are a part of, Chris, and, and uh, the Lavelle Rocket have their final game of the regular season tonight in Binghamton, and um, Amy Johnson and I will be on hand for that uh, and uh, hear from uh, Joel Bouchard and some of the players regarding the, uh, their thoughts about uh, the Rocket season. So there's all kinds of, uh, of coverage uh, left, and, um, and be sure to stay with us. Uh, and this Canadians Connection podcast uh, we'll be here uh, live every Saturday. And uh, I want to thank uh, you for sitting in, Chris. It's like you never left. And, 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 and I should say that, that you've, uh, yes, you've, you've uh, transitioned over to uh, help us with our coverage with the Laval Rocket, but you've also kept your hand in uh, with this podcast and our other, um, of, uh, all of the Rocket Sports radio podcasts, helping to, to train our, our folks and, and being a consultant for us. And, and we re- really appreciate uh, your work for the podcast and for the AHL report team. Uh, no problem. My, uh, my, my pleasure. It was, uh, it was good to be back. Felt a little bit rusty, but uh, still in a comfortable chair. I had to change the height of the chair here in the, in the Canadians Connection uh, studio, but <laughs> all fine, all comfortable now. So, so, so thanks, Rick. Pleasure to uh, to uh, host a podcast with you like once again after almost a year. And Great. Well, yeah, glad to have you here. And uh, Joe Joseph Whalen will be back next Saturday. Uh, in terms of me, you'll be able to read my Hab season review published on Monday on allhabs.net. Until then, enjoy your week. And the Canadians Connection podcast returns next Saturday at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern. Have a good week, everybody. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Connection and visit allhabs.net.